Want to support the show? How about becoming a Route 16 Grind Patreon today for as little as a buck a month? It's not just a contribution, but an investment that goes directly to the show. Help this podcast expand and grow. Check out the show notes for the links to our Patreon page. This week on the Route 16 Grind, in the Outdoor Update, I will cover the pro scores and standings from this past week's IBO Winter Nationals. In other news, the next ASA shoot at the Fort Benning is rescheduled due to COVID-19. From the field, we retouch late-season shed hunting and roll it into a closer look at preseason turkey scouting. In our on-target segment, Instructor 1 from Riker USA covers everyday carry, part 2, holster selections. In rock, mud, and dirt, Brian has some breaking news and shares a story about recovering a FedEx truck. In the Go Adventure segment... Brian interviews vets for hunting and fishing. Then we wrap up the show with a cup of joe. Route 16 Grind, Episode 17. Wash those hands. The Route 16 Grind is sponsored by Sea State Coffee, Warren Industries, Tuffy Security Products, and Route 16 Off Road. The Route 16 Grind, the podcast for outdoor adventurers. Each week, we bring you information related to off-road and outdoor activities. If you wheel, hunt, fish, overland, or are an all-around adventurer, this podcast is for you. Each week, we pour a cup of sea steak coffee and talk about informative topics, the gear, and the training that can help you have a successful outdoor adventure. We have amazing contributors and some great conversation. So, grab your cup and enjoy the show. All right, welcome back to the Route 16 Grind. I'm Brian from Route 16 Off-Road. And I'm here with Ethan from Eclipse Outdoors. Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm really appreciative and I'm very excited. And uh, I'm, I'm happy to be a part of the Route 16 Nation. Yeah, thanks so much for joining the team here. Uh, we're still going to have Chuck contribute uh, some stuff every now and then. We got to figure out a segment when he joins back, when he can't contribute. But it's been really good meeting you. We've talked at length about some ideas. Listeners, you're going for a treat. We're, there are some things that Ethan's going to bring to the table. We're going to learn more about him and what his background is. So sit back and let's get to the show. We appreciate your posts and feedback. One of the best ways to help out the show is to post a five-star review with your feedback on Stitcher and Apple Podcasts. This helps us grow in the Route 16 Grind audience, and we also get a chance to hear from you. So if you love the show, please consider leaving us a five-star rating on Stitcher and Apple Podcasts today. The Outdoor Update is brought to you by Tuffy Security Products. Having your vehicle broken into is not a laughing matter. Trust Tuffy Security Products to stop opportunistic thieves. Tuffy is the industry leader in automotive security and provides peace of mind when you walk away from your rig. Durable and easy to install. Tuffy Security Products has adventure-ready consoles, drawers, and lockboxes available for you to organize your rig and secure your gear. Visit TuffyProducts.com and use special offer code GRIND to save 10% on your order. Remember to lock it up. Welcome back to the Outdoor Update, everybody. This is the weekly segment where we provide you with stories, news, and information from the recent goings-ons in the outdoor world. This week, as previously mentioned, I'm going to go over some of this past weekend's IBO Winter Nationals, as well as some of the COVID-19 effects that it's having nationwide. To preface a little bit about me, uh, uh, thank you, Brian, for you know bringing up some of my expertise and knowledge in the field. I appreciate that. But um, I'm currently a competitive archer. I shoot for Hoyt. I have a plethora of other sponsors, and we attend a lot of state and national level indoor shoots, as well as the outdoor shoots, the big ones, IBOs and ASAs. Uh, this past weekend was no different. It was the Mount Airy, North Carolina IBO Winter Nationals, where it's a pro-am shoot. So, you know, you guys that are hunters all the way up to the pros go out and shoot these outdoor targets. A little bit about the IBO Federation. It is... Uh, a huge contributor to public land conservation. So any of your memberships and these shoots that go on, it really helps your local clubs and, you know, it helps support that outdoor conservation aspect. So I highly encourage you to get out there and uh, get a part, of, be a part of some of these organizations that um, 
not only lets you have fun, but builds camaraderie and uh, lets you get out there, get a little bit of your competitive spirit and knock the dust off in these off-season months. Without further ado, the pro class for this uh, here shoot had a really good turnout. Shane H. Bragg, I got to give a big hand to him. He was the overall winner for the pro class. He had a total score of 410 with 20 X's. Now, for those of you who don't know IBO scoring, you shoot, the pros anyway, shoot a total of 40 targets over that weekend with highs of 11. So this gentleman only dropped 30 points again, and that is unknown distance and the pros are shooting out to 50 yards. Pretty good for him. What do you think, Brian? Yeah. What's IBO and what's ASA? So IBO is International Bow Hunters Organization. And again, that is, uh, that's a little bit more curtailed. I would say the hunter's I think that that gives the opportunity for amateurs a little bit more so than the ASAs to get out there. Again, that's 3D targets through the woods, unknown distances. And, you know, I think that it gives people a better entry point into the outdoor world. ASAs is American Shooters Association. And that's where you kind of have your top level athletes, both pro, uh, semi-pro, you know, your top amateur competitors and the pros. And these shoots are still 3D in nature. However, Brian, they are all outdoors, but they're on flat ground. So picture having a 30 target 3D shoot on a turf football field. So like when you say 3D target too, we're talking like this will be like a deer target, a bear target, something like that. So you're going anywhere from turkeys, even some badgers, all the way up to big game caribou, bears in between, a lot of different, a lot of different hard, harsh angles, front facing, quartering away. Uh, You'll see it all at these shoots, man. I need to get a little bit more involved in that because I know that uh, uh, there's that, you know, that archery store out in our, where the Godwins, right? Godwins, yeah, there's two stores. uh, Yeah, that's right. They do have two. They they grew that other one. But I know they have some 3D competition. There's also um, the North Carolina Bow Hunters has competition out in uh, Lobelia area. So I I saw some uh, traffic from them. But I know there's great opportunities. I really haven't got into it, but I think uh, now that you and I are kind of teaming up, I just might because now I got a pro on here. <laughs> like I said, man, it is a great opportunity for everybody to get out there. I mean, if you're getting out there, you might as well make the most of it. And just I encourage people to get out there because there's no better time than the present to get up off the couch and do it. You know, practicing two weeks before archery season in September, October, just just isn't going to cut it. Like I said, these these things are great opportunities for camaraderie. I can't tell you how many network connections I've made, good, genuine people that all enjoy and have a passion for the same sports that we all love. And it's something you can take literally into the field and apply when you're out there hunting. And maybe you're not interested on the hunting side. Well, this is something where you can actually apply. Because I tell you, when I didn't have any houses behind me, I used to shoot my bow off my porch about 25 yards. I made a target, all this stuff. And it was great way to come come home go get my bow shoot 50 60 arrows into that target and it was just relaxing it was so relaxing so quiet and your focus it's very much like shooting you got to be on point and you have to do your adjustments uh, it is i think it's great peace when you go out there and you shoot uh with a with a bow absolutely it's you hit the nail on the head it's therapeutic it's relaxing, you know, there, it's just you and that arrow and that shot. And it's like everything else in the world goes away for that hour that you might shoot 30, 50 arrows. You know, again, don't be intimidated either, folks. Yeah, get out there like like Brian brought up. And that was a point I was going to get at. You don't have to attend these IBOs and ASAs. Obviously, I'm a big proponent of them for the endorsements that they give to a lot of the causes that I support. And obviously, they're within my shooting circuits. But there's tons of local 3D shoots out there. You know, they're five, ten dollars to shoot 30 targets, and you get to go out there. You get to walk through the woods, and most importantly, you get to practice and you get to make friends. And you might get to hang out with your dad, your son, your brother, your buddy that you don't get to see very often. They're just a great opportunity to stay in the sport out of season and just can roll that into your, you know, your hunting athlete regiment of off-season exposure to the sport.
When you hear the calls, you know we have a report from the field. And this week, I am super excited. We're going to retouch some late season shed hunting and roll it into a closer look at preseason turkey scouting. So I really wanted to, during the previous podcast's scouting experiences, that really got me excited, man. I really got amped up because this is the time of year to get out in the woods, get out in the field, get out on your public game lands and really hone in on what the activities of the herds you're scouting are. So this is a great time. We all know uh, anywhere that deer are losing their antlers that late January, early February, all throughout. And it is an awesome time to find sheds, take your kids out, take your wives out. It's starting to warm up a little bit. And it, it is just a fun activity, man. And finding those lets you know what deer is left in your population. From that, you can become indicative of, you know, what sheds you're finding, their nutritional needs, you know, their calcium deficient, if they're thick, you know, if they're dense. And then deadheads as well, unfortunately, as a part of it, we, uh, in our last scouting opportunity there, within six hours, we found about eight sheds and two deadheads. And I mean, that makes you wonder, you know, where, what is deficient in your nutrition within your herd? And it just kind of makes you a little bit more aware as well as where we were finding some of these sheds. We knew to look near a couple different water sources. Obviously, when a deer goes down to drink water, it gives that gravitational effect and allowed some of those sheds to fall off. But what that did was allow us to pattern them a little bit better. It let me know a traditional trail that they haven't been using for a couple years. They started to traffic now and they were going to a centralized watering location. So I know for my next season, I know that they are still using that same bedding area in that same thicket in that same farm I've been hunting for years. But it allowed me to know that you know, with uh, generational shifts that they shifted trails and their patterns of movement have changed. So really important when you're out there, it's a good time. It's a great, it's a great outing, man. But you, you have to also do your research and take those copious notes, just little mental pigments that allow you to become more successful in your next season. And, And this is also the time of year that you can get out there and it's about to be turkey season, man. Like I said, it's getting warm. You can take that shed hunting and you can make it very, very diverse and multifaceted. So I definitely encourage everybody to get out into the field, do some late season shed hunting and take a look at your preseason turkey scouting because those flocks are starting to come into the fields. Yeah, gobble, gobble. I'm about that. So one thing that I have learned uh, just recently was you can you because you brought up health of the uh, herd and particularly of the deer that shedded those antlers, you know, based off of what the right antler compared to the left antler antler, like if it's not symmetric, like you might have one that's tilted down or something. There's something that is not typical uh, with one that there might pose an injury. Uh, this 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 deer might have an injury to one side or the other, and they're uh, they're opposing. So a left antler might have a right side injury, and vice versa. Like they have tells with that. And also, when you talked about the density, like that's something I never would have thought of. Of you know, actually looking at the density and getting in there. And I think I saw an article today that was specific. It was actually in the May mag, the recent one uh, that uh, came out talking about the density uh, of the antler itself. So there's so much information that the antlers can tell you, not just, hey, the deer's been here. That's absolutely it. And that's the kind of things you need to know. And, you know, that that brings up another great point is, you know, scouting doesn't stop preseason and, you know, the, during the hunting season. You have to do it all year round. One of the One of the biggest things when I coach people on how to be better hunters and how to manage your property better is you can't stop you leave your trail cameras out all year round you need to constantly monitor what you know barometric pressures moon cycles times of year temperatures temperature swings you know obviously rut cycles etc you know what they're doing that is making your pattern changes shift within your deer herd and like i said you know going into nutrition is such a big thing you know we all want to grow these big nutrient rich bucks i mean that's just i mean yes we're hunting for the sport of it we're hunting for the venison but that 
that trophy kill of a lifetime is what I know is in the passion for a lot of hunters. So, you know, being able to consistently monitor your deer year round, if you're serious about having good quality animals on your property, you've got to put the work in off season, all season. And, uh, you know, and I, I think that is so accurate in uh, my very weak squirrel hunting adventure <laughs> earlier this year. But that really turned into a scouting uh, period because I was like, I ran into three doe uh, who obviously knew that the season had ended because I didn't scare them at all. And, you know, I was able to find good bed down. I marked out my on X map and I go walk around, see where I can pick up some trails, all that kind of stuff. Uh, look at areas where there might be food, hey, where it might go to. So, yeah, anytime you're out there, you should be looking. And I agree with that so much. And I definitely want to get in some more turkey scouting because I'm telling you, I want one. I want one. <laughs> You'll get one, man. And yeah, I mean, especially if you're patterning specific deer, that was one thing I did want to bring up as well. You know, I'll hunt a deer for three or more seasons. Uh, you know, I I do get all consumed by that one 160 class, 180 class, even 140 class buck, you know, and I, I, I've uh, it's it's an amazing feeling to watch them grow up and you know we actually have names for all of ours on the trail cams and you know you get so excited and and these big bucks aren't stupid man they will they will be nocturnal all season and then the second that like you said the season comes out it's like you'll see them all day long and you'll find their sheds and you, you can know where they're hiding out but you don't always get them yeah, and I, you know, I enjoy watching that. I'm a part of like tons of different pages, uh, like on Facebook and stuff. I enjoy watching the individuals who share those adventures where they literally have been, they'll share it like what you talked about. Hey, I, I've been scouting this one deer for the last three years and they share those and they talk about them and they bring in some details because I learn a lot from individuals sharing stuff like that going, dang, you know, I didn't, I didn't think about that. And, you know, you're looking, they mentioned, you know, temperature, weather conditions, all those type of things. And, uh, I, I'm just impressed by it. So if you all have those type of, uh, uh stories, whatnot, hey, send them to us. We'll be more than happy to share those. But if anything, share them with you, then just share us the page. We'll love to see it. Absolutely, guys. If you have any type of advice, anything you want to hear on the show, anything you want to be featured, feel free to submit that kind of stuff. And we we love to hear that kind of feedback. That's that's always encouraged. And then Brian, like you said, turkey season, it's coming. It's coming sooner than you think. It's that time of year to keep that diaphragm call in your pocket in your truck and maybe stop at a couple fields on the way home or maybe even a box call or a slate call for you know, those of you users out there. Yeah, I suck at the diaphragm one, so <laughs> that's me. <laughs> We'd like to feature your success in outdoor adventures, so shoot us the pics over to us with a brief story, route16.com, and select contact. That's R-O-O-T-O-N-E-S-I-X.com, and select contact. On target. Welcome to our On Target segment, where you receive the inside scoop on brands, products, and training that can help you step up your hunt and range game. This week, Ron and from Riker USA covers part two of Everyday Carry Holster Selection. What's up, everybody? It's Ron with Riker USA coming to you on the Route 16 Grind podcast with your on-target practical tactical uh, tip of the week. So last week, we started to cover the EDC, your everyday carry with uh, clothing and clothing selection. If I carry this, can I wear that? If I wear that, can I carry this? Now we're going to move on into something that's extremely important, and that being holster selection. Uh, so we'll go uh, first, we'll say that there's no shortage of holster companies out there. Don't be afraid to try something. If you have something and it's not really working, don't be afraid to, to put it on eBay, put it in what I call the box of empty promises and move on and get something else and, and continue to train until you find you know what's magic for you. Now, I will tell you that I will probably go to my deathbed and I still will not have found the perfect concealed carry holster, uh, sling for my rifle, and backpack. I'm on a constant quest, but I'm not afraid to try something new and change it up to find something that's going to be efficient for me and for what I'm doing and how I'm carrying and, and the activities that I, I'm, I'm doing, which are going to determine the position and the type of pistol that I have. 
Let's talk about holsters. You have uh, the holster tension, which is the the tension of the holster, which is going to create the retention. And this is important. It is built into the holster and two pieces of kydex and it's built into the molt. This would wear out generally over time, over like probably 100,000 draws from the holster. The important thing to understand about retention is if you are a concealed carry member of society, and you have to retrieve your pistol, nine times out of 10, you are already reacting to a situation, to a decision that was made that you had no control over. So an example, you got attacked in in, an evening, walking in a parking lot, two people attacked you, and you had a poor equipment selection with a, you know, a cheap, inexpensive uh, leather holster with no retention in a belt clip and you got knocked to the ground and you reach for your pistol to defend yourself and your pistol is 15 feet, you know, down the parking lot away from you because you had poor equipment selection and you failed to prepare properly uh, for your everyday carry or your concealed carry lifestyle commitment. So this is where retention on a holster is super important. The next one I want to talk about is tension retention. This is super common. Uh, and what this is, is is the piece of kydex is generally one piece and it's folded over. So there's an open, uh, basically on the seam, you'll have a screw and a rubber gasket in there. And you can tighten that and loosen that to create the tension on the holster. And generally you have when you retrieve the pistol, you kind of give it a little twist and it breaks that tension and you can retrieve the pistol from the holster. Now, if you are carrying inside the waistband, IWB, I mentioned that last week, you will also have some added tension from your belt, proper belt selection. We talked about that. And this is the other thing we need to talk about too. When you see your holster selection for your, you know, your belt clip, your belt loop or whatever it is, you're going to see something on there like 1.5, 1.75. That is inch and a half, inch and three quarters. And that is based off the width of your belt. I generally run about an inch and a half belt. Uh, it's a, like I said, I use a grip six belt and that works with suit pants and jeans and my holster clips are an inch and a half. Uh, and I use a variety of different clips and I have a different, a uh, few different holsters that I use depending on, again, what I'm wearing and what I'm doing. The next type of holster, it would be a level two retention. So this has a physical button that you have to depress to retrieve your holster. A uh, good example where you can see this is in the movie Patriot Day. Uh, the Wahlberg flick uh, about the Boston bombing. And that one scene on the college campus where the the younger of the two terrorists walks up to the campus police and is asking him what the time is and then reaches in and tries to retrieve the guy's, steal the guy's pistol from him. That was actually a level three security or a level three retention holster that had a button to depress and it had a hood. That guy didn't understand what that was and he continued to try to get it and that's how he didn't get the gun out. Uh, we all know how the rest of that you know played out if he saw it. However, that's to give you an example of why you want that type of retention. I don't know a lot of companies that make an in the waistband um, level two retention. I know that Safari Land has a ProFit series and I have some of these for students to use when they take our advanced concealed carry class. And it is uh, their ProFit series fits about 5,000 different guns and you just make a minor adjustment get it in there nice and tight, and then it has a thumb retention. So you can have it in the waistband, reach in to retrieve it. If it's apex or small, your back, depress your depress the retention uh, with your thumb and retrieve your pistol. The next would be level three, like I had mentioned, which is um, on display in the movie Patriot Day. It has a hood on it, and you're generally going to see this on a police officer's gun belt or you know special operations uh, people in the military, uh, gunfighters of that caliber. So holster selection, guys, is super important. Don't be afraid to change it. Uh, find things that are going to you know, modify it uh, or things that are going to work for you. Remember, uh, you want it value added. You don't want it to be a hindrance. And remember, it's function over fashion. These things are super important. Body type is also something that you need to take into consideration. If you are a larger person, uh, not super athletic, and have a very uh, robust build, you're probably not going to uh, carry in the apex position. 
condition. Um, if you have limited mobility issues, you have shoulder issues, neck issues, you might only be able to carry the, in the, in the apex position because you don't have the upper body mobility to reach behind you to your hip to, uh, retrieve the pistol without inducing, you know, types of pain. So you have to also address what you're wearing, your type of holster and your pistol selection to your body, to your body size, your body shape, your athleticism and potential, uh, injuries and disabilities that you have. Um, carrying a gun in a bag, you know, there's, there's other options and, uh, um, that we can get into and we will save that for next week. And I just want to go out on this note and say with all the craziness going on right now, I have to, you know, I'm sitting back and I'm, I'm just observing what's going on with this coronavirus stuff, but just be smart, wash your hands, don't touch your face, have a plan and uh, make sure your mags are loaded. Because an empty magazine is uh, is a paperweight. So um, just you know, think ahead. Uh, don't panic. Don't uh, don't feed into it. And um, just continue to train. Continue to prepare. And uh, I will talk to you guys next week. And stay safe. And um, have a great week. Yeah, that's a great follow up from last week from Ron. He covered clothing. We he, we definitely uh, talked about grip six uh, belt selection and why certain uh, belts are better than others. And this week he brought in the holster. That there could have been an hour long segment. And I appreciate Ron uh, getting that segment done and what he covered. But obviously there's a, there's other ranges of it. You know, you got people that might use an ankle holster. There might be people that use in the pocket holster. He brought up great things. How do you plan to use it and make sure you train with it? I think that's one of the things that are always missing. They might go get the equipment, but they don't know how to use it. We see that on the trail. People go out and get a, a high lift jack, zero clue how to use it. Absolutely. And it's like, I always live by the mantra, get what works for you, because if it doesn't work for you, you're not going to use it. And if you're not carrying it 100% of the time, then that 10% of the time is going to be the time that you need it. And there's no shame in it. Everybody's body's build is different. Everybody's preferences are different. So whether it's IWB, inside the waistband, apex carry, small of the back carry, outside the waistband, hip carry, shoulder carry, you ladies out there, your purse carry, it. If you're going to carry, carry, carry what's comfortable for you, carry what works for you and practice what you carry. Cannot preach enough. Like Brian said, you have to practice it. Otherwise, it's going to be ineffective for you. Hey, this is Mickey G. I got to say, you finally hit the big time. You have two of my, excuse me. Two of my favorite internet celebrities, uh, Tony McElroy, whose uh, forum, XJ Talk, was fundamental in me when I was building my Jeep. I had a lot of questions. He answered it, or they answered it very respectfully. Stand-up guy. And uh, the bearded Jeeper. I love his wheeling videos. I try to copy his filming style, but I fail at it, but something to inspire to. Plus, he's a, a class act guy. So, uh, yeah, way to go. Way to get some good good guests. Well, all your guests have been good, but especially that Nikki G guy. And I want to say about my uh, <laughs> XJ trailer camper build, it's still coming along. Uh, weather slowed me down a little bit, but I try to work on it about an hour or two a day. Thank you, everybody, for all your love and support. But the big question I have is, how far east do you have to travel before you're heading west? All right. I'll uh, chat you later. Keep up the good work. Bye. Nikki G, you never fail at throwing something in there at the end. You know what? You need to share with me uh, some more images of where you're at. I saw it on your Facebook. Yeah, share me that. I want to go ahead and put some more of that stuff out there so people can follow your journey as well. You can follow uh, Jeep and Nick on Instagram, and he's got some great information there. And, And you know what? he might be able to help you out too. So go ahead and hit him a message and ask him about it because you may want to do it too. Nikki G, it's a pleasure. Well, I want to see pictures of this uh, XJ project. Please keep sending them over so we can post them out there for you. In the Rock, Mud and Dirt is brought to you by Warren Industries. At Warren, we pour our effort and our thirst for adventure into every product we make. You better believe American pride runs deep here in Clackamas, Oregon. 
Here, a small army of engineers, technicians, machinists, and assemblers design and refine worn products, bringing them as close to perfection as possible. Their work is backed up by legendary quality control that doesn't just stand up to rigid worn standards. It lives up to the toughest demands of the world's top vehicle manufacturers and military suppliers. How do we know? Because they've partnered with Warren for decades. This quest for peerless reliability, this worn difference, will be around as long as Warren Industries is in business. At least another 70 years. Go prepared. Go Warren. Welcome to the Rock, Mud, and Dirt, the segment where I talk about people, brands, products, and events from the off-road world. Today, March 18th, Warren Industries sent out some fantastic news. Factor 55, the clothes winching system experts, will be joining the Warren brand. Now, if you're not a wheeler or somebody that is familiar with winching systems and accessories, this might not be a big deal to you. But for those of us who are in the know, this is huge, huge. We will be monitoring this closely and providing you all the updates as we get them. One of the benefits of being a Warren and Factor 55 dealer. In other news, I wanted to share with you something that happened a couple weeks ago right here in my own, my own neighborhood. I was out running some errands only to come back and see a poor FedEx truck with his right wheel hanging over a ditch and the truck itself high centered. Well, challenge accepted. I just happened to have the tools necessary to recover the truck safely. A Jeep, four-wheel drive, cap- uh, four-wheel drive capable, check. Factor 5 hitch link, check. Worn Epic shackles, check. Rugged Ridge kinetic recovery rope, check. And a soft shackle. After walking around the vehicle and conducting a safety assessment, verbally confirming with the driver, he wanted me to attempt to pull him out and double-checking the truck, anchor point, the areas I'll be using to tie down and pull him from, and also checking roots, hitch, locking pin, I went ahead and connected the Rugged Ridge kinetic recovery rope to the FedEx truck and to root. Double-checking everything, ensuring it was locked, tightened, nothing twisted. Now, for a normal recovery, this would have been enough, but we had one wheel hanging over a ditch. So the traction jack recovery board was to the rescue. I was able to place the board in a folded position at a 10 degree angle with just barely touching the right front tire against the drain area of the ditch. I then spoke with the FedEx driver and told the FedEx driver to follow my specific instructions and when to move from neutral to reverse. I then had my son position himself in a safe location where I could see him and he could give me commands like go and stop. After a final check, I got in route, put the Jeep in four wheel drive and snatched that truck right out of there. Nice and easy, no damage to either vehicle, and everybody was safe. This was a safe recovery, not only because of knowledge, but it was about having the right gear. All the recovery equipment was used for what it was designed for, minus the traction jack recovery board. I am sure it was designed for the purpose to be unfolded with the ability to flex for an an on-the-ground recovery. This board was close to sitting straight up. But focusing on its primary role to provide traction, I was able to position the board that would help elevate the truck, increase its traction, and rearward movement. The only thing that was missing from that recovery was a camera to record it. Opportunity miss. Damn. Wow. Wow. That, uh, that's, that's pretty impressive, my friend. You know, I got to say, first off, that you are probably one out of, I don't even want to give a statistic, but I've been stuck before, and you know who stops to help me? Nobody. What? So... Kudos to you, man. It must be a Jeep community thing. Maybe people don't like lifted diesel trucks or something because, I mean, it, it's, it warms my heart that you were able to, you know, not only stop, help, and utilize the equipment that you have for something that you enjoy, but also to help somebody out that was probably having a pretty bad day. And, you know, his boss would have been on his case, you know, for not finishing the rest of his delivery route. You know, it's... I, oh, go, on, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm just, I'm touched because that's, you know, you made that guy's day and you had fun in the process and having the right equipment, like you said, and, you know, having the knowledge and experience and just the want to do it. You know, I think that that's where we as people don't slow down and help enough. So good on you, man. You you know, I think I would not be a a true Jeeper. Jeepers, you know, you're not in that community. They seize these moments. If there have been two Jeeps out there, we've both been fighting a who could do recovery. I assure you. Been like, no, I let do me it, do it. Man. Like, <laughs> I keep a strap in my truck. I don't nearly have the amount of equipment that you, you all carry, but I keep a heavy duty toe strap, some shackles, some chains, some binders, you know, the common things. And living out on the coast sometimes when I was in the Marine Corps, it 
people get stuck all up and down Topsail Island all the time in the sand and they're having a great day until they try to leave, you know. So I always try to stop and help people out. That stems from growing up in, you know, the northeast part of uh, North America and getting those extreme snowstorms. You always want to stop and help your neighbor out. But I will tell you, unfortunately, the times that I've been with somebody and have been stranded or stuck or I myself have been stranded or stuck, it, I, I've resulted to having to call a tow rig. Yeah, I I uh, was very uh, happy to be available for that guy. And one thing I didn't know until later, and it's not because he told me, it was somebody else that knows that industry. And again, this is kind of like something I'm sharing for y'all that I didn't know. Uh, I'm not really sure if it's absolutely true, but this is what I was told, that if he would have had to been recovered by a tow truck, that would have came out of his check. And I was like, what? I was like, holy cow. So um, it was a very unfortunate incident. Just, you know, life happened and he ended up in the ditch there. Another truck came and they were able to do the things they need to do. And the funny thing about it was this is the FedEx truck that was delivering me my dead man off-road uh, kit. So I'll say you had a, you had ulterior motives. Well, I guess he, he, what he did, he's got stuck and he walked to my house and delivered it. So he did his deliveries and at least the area, I, I you know, that my wife told me that after the facts too. I said, man, that's pretty cool. So, uh, yeah. So tell me, I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm familiar. I, I'll do things for people where I can, but what, what is this board? Like, tell me just a little bit more that, you you know, the Jeeping community is going to understand and geek out over. But tell me a little bit more about how you accomplish this. With What is this board and, you know, these uh, these uh, extra jacks that you have that you don't just yank people out with a toe strap? Well, so the, the traction jack board, which I'm to, to the life of me, I don't know why more people don't have them. I think it's much better than those, uh, you know, full length boards because this folds up. It's pretty durable. If you need to replace a part, you can just, you know, unscrew it, uh, take one part of the board that's damaged, send it back. There's a lifetime warranty. Uh, they're pretty affordable. Um, we're a dealer for them. So if you're looking at getting some, you can hit me up, uh, route16.com. But uh, you can you what you can do is you can unfold it and fold it. So think of it. I think it's probably like and don't quote me on the length, but it's probably somewhere between two and a half, three feet. You know, somewhere in that area. But you can fold it in half, fold it outright, and it actually flexes in about probably around a twenty five degree mark. So it makes almost like a V. Uh, so when you put it in a ditch uh, or when you dig out a hole, that if you're doing a straight recovery like you're doing on the beach, you can just put it under there, and you can make like somewhat of a ramp for it to come up if you need to or whatnot. And it has like traction, you know, grip areas. So when your wheels going on it, it's actually gripping on that and moving forward. And some of these boards, they're a little bit lighter. I get that. Uh, they, but they're straight. These have a little bit more, uh, opportunity. There's no way I could have did that with one of these thin boards. Um, even though it won't crack and everything else, it's because this, the, the beefiness of this product, um, I was able to use it like that. It didn't slip. It wouldn't uh, slide out or, or anything the way it was positioned against that ditch. It worked out great. I, I love Traction Jack. I've uh, been with them for, gosh, man, a couple of years now, I um, want to say. But they're a great product. You guys should check them out. We'll make sure to have the link in the show notes. And then, you know, the far as the recovery strap, a kinetic recovery strap, there's a lot of brands that uh, put them out there. And everyone's going to have an opinion on what one's better. You know, I actually, before I even got a kinetic strap from Rugged Ridge, uh, we're a dealer for them. The uh, I used to use, you know, those sling road straps that pick up like Humvees that we saw in the military. Oh, yeah, yeah I, I still have that. I, I, it was like rated at 80,000 pounds. Um, I still have that today to do. And it, it's, it's a great thing you could use for you anchor to a tree. You can just wrap around things. You can just go ahead and, and slide it through something and recover uh, what you need. It's a great utility and that costs 20 bucks at a, a army Navy store. So, uh, you know, you can use connect strap. That's what it's designed for because what you're doing is you're driving forward and you're kind of doing a jerk and that energy helps pull that vehicle out. And then far as uh, all the other things, you know, the soft shackle, uh, the, you know, the hitches and all that, you're making sure you have the things that are rated to do something like that. Um, you know, being able to have a four wheel drive vehicle. I don't, I don't know if, cause I didn't spin out. I didn't do any of that. My vehicle was able to keep moving. And it, I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that the traction jack was able to be there in place. So that right wheel could roll right off that board. And I, I didn't really use a lot of energy to get that out, to be honest with you. 
That's awesome, man. I'm actually looking at them right now, and I can see many trail scenarios. You know, you unfortunately pick a bad line or something, you're down in a three-foot rut. They can be applicable in a lot of different scenarios and different terrain situations. I Big shout-out to them, man, and I'm glad you had it, and I'm glad you were able to get him out of there. Since 1989, Tuffy Security Products has been the industry leader in automotive security. Tuffy has a variety of vehicle-specific consoles, drawers, and lockboxes. Tuffy manufacturers adventure-ready organization and security for your Jeep, truck, or SUV. Visit TuffyProducts.com and use special offer code GRIND to save 10% on your order. Go Adventure! Welcome to the Go Adventuring segment. This is a segment we celebrate people, groups, and organizations that bring positive outdoor adventures to you. This week, we interview vets for hunting and fishing. All right, welcome back to another segment of Go Adventuring. We're here with Drew with Vets for Hunting and Fishing. Hey, Drew, thanks for coming on to the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. You know, tell us a little about yourself and what your story is. Yeah, I'm a CB veteran in the United States Navy. Did four years, uh, did one year in Afghanistan, never flew anywhere or never got on a boat nowhere, flew everywhere. I was in the Hellman Promise for about 10 months doing the FOB resupplies. We were building roads with embedded infantry units out there. So we were pretty combat heavy. Uh, we spent a lot of time going in between bazaars, different FOBs and stuff like that. We spent, it was a good time, made some good buddies. And then I was fortunate enough to join up with this 501c3 nonprofit vets for hunting and fishing yeah man so what's the story with them uh you know big reason why we brought you on tell us more about vet for hunting and fishing absolutely yeah like i said we're a 501c3 uh, we're a nonprofit that's really on a mission to combat veteran suicide so right now in the united states we're averaging 22 suicides a day from veterans in one active duty and that's a day so at this point now, so if you call the VA, what, what do you get? You know, you get right there off the beginning. Hey, you know, if you are having suicidal thoughts, press seven. And then from there, it's, oh, call one eight six six whatever the number is. And here, we'll connect you here to do that, you know. So you don't have a lot of connect. Like, you still have a one-on-one. It's just like calling a suicide hotline for anybody to be able to do that. But you don't have that camaraderie. You don't have that face-to-face with other veterans, the stuff that you really lack and don't realize how much you need until you don't have it anymore. Like I said, we're a 501c3 nonprofit that's dedicated really to getting back and connecting with disabled veterans and getting them out hunting, fishing, and all all expense-paid trips that we fund through fundraisers and stuff like that to be able to get them out and fly them when they need to go, tags, fees, equipment. Pretty exciting opportunity for us to be able to get out there and try and, like I said, try and combat that veteran suicide and try to give back a little bit yeah that, that's pretty awesome so I, I i totally understand where you're coming from no one wants to just talk to a dial tone no one wants to talk to someone who doesn't have that actual true connection i, I think that sometimes even with veterans in certain groups uh, getting around getting them around people who get it who understand them who can relate to maybe their story and this is one of the platforms for it how do you? How did it start from the ground up? Like, where was it? Where did it start at? Like, it, it just—I mean, it didn't happen overnight. So, how did you guys work that? So, actually, my buddy from high school, uh, we grew up together. You know, we were really good friends. He went off; he was two grades ahead of me, and he was in Ramadi and Baghdad. The year I was actually graduating, he got out, and we 2010, right as I was in Afghanistan. And when he got out, two of his buddies actually that he was in Iraq with killed themselves. And, you know, kind of hit hard. And they said he was a tanker. He got back and he wanted to do something. He wanted to be able to give back. He was tired of seeing us, seeing all of our brothers and sisters kill herself. So in 2017, he actually uh, partnered with Lucas Oil and they uh, sponsored him a couple, a little bit of money and to help him get his first hunt going. And then ever since then, and it's just been taken off. And I actually connected back with Jacob. Uh, Jacob DeLong is actually the. Uh, founder of the company he founded it with his buddy that was in iraq with him uh josh lackey so those two just kind of got it off and started off with just a few fishing trips here and there and now we're i came on about a few months ago and i've been taking i took over the day-to-day so i run the day-to-day and the social media and now i'm just trying to do what i can we have several hunts planned throughout the year now we have a couple fishing trips and like i said we're just trying to pair and connect with as many veterans as we can to try and 
network and grow this thing to be able to get more trips going. So you do fishing trips, you do hunting trips, uh, imagine big game, small game, stuff like that. And far as fishing, you're talking about, you know, whether it be a stream or is it ocean stuff? I mean, where, where's that range at? Is it, is it anywhere we can get to? Absolutely. It's everywhere. So we go off, we go offshore fishing like, uh, in May we have, I think it's 10 veterans going offshore off the coast of California and Eureka. Uh, next month we have a bear hunt going on. So we're hunting a black bear about, about, I don't know, 45 minutes from Yellowstone right up in Montana in the Custer national park. Um, so we fish the wild west bass trail programs. We actually pair a veteran with a professional angler and you get to hang out with them all day, fish and you, uh, give you tips, try and get you a little better bass fisher, you know, and actually have a chance to win some money there too. Nice. Uh, as far, yeah. So we have a couple deer hunts. We have, like you said, it ranges. We have Turkey, everything, it range, anything you can think of any hunt that we can get to, we're trying to get on. So, um, we just formed a, go ahead. Yeah, so you you mentioned something about being partnered up with a, a professional angler and stuff. So these are really well guided. These are not just like, hey, you know, my buddy will take you out. These are like professional level guides and hunters and stuff that you're utilizing. Oh, absolutely, hundred um, percent. Like I was saying, like Wild West Bass Trail. That's a big big tournament that's sponsored by Lucas Oil and Cal- that runs up. The Cal- all of California, basically, into Lake Havasu, stuff like that. So that, that's a huge tournament in itself. We're actually partnering with uh, Fur Dog, which is a hunting guide service that they run their dogs. And like they go on mountain lion hunts, bear hunts, stuff like that. Eventually, we're going to get them on a hunt with us. And we hire camera crews. So like next month, we have a camera crew coming with us. And it's a professional camera crew to film the bear hunt to be able to put it out on YouTube and stuff like that to actually get you know, to be able to show people what we're actually doing. That is amazing that you guys for, you know, just basically scrounging this together from an idea and a concept, because I think there's a lot of great intentions with a lot of uh, veteran support organizations, but it's so hard. And I think you guys appreciate that. It's so hard to get the ground up, get all the paperwork in line. Um, I love the fact that you are documented, you know, nonprofit. That's the other thing, uh, concern, obviously, with some organizations getting that paperwork done and then getting, you know, backers who believe what you're doing in the aspect of saying, you know, I think these guys can accomplish that and uh, they're going to get results. and They're going to stick to it and they're going to grow, you know, mad props to you guys for doing that. So what are some uh, interesting stories that you have to share with that? Uh, well, a lot of it's just building the camaraderie when it comes down to it. I mean, we could go into all different kinds of hunts and stuff that we've been on, but it's just, it's the stuff that hits home for me is like, we had a combat veteran, which the video is actually on YouTube. Um, if you look for hunt, that's hunting fishing, it'll be a pig hunt. You know, he's one, he has one leg. He lost it after some surgeries he had to have. And Jacob just got to get him out there and get out there and spend that time. And like, you just realize just seeing that look and being out there with other veterans and them just feeling at home feeling like back to feeling a little bit of that camaraderie and not feeling like i said the biggest the thing is feeling alone and be able to see that look and be able to see them feel happy and i know when i'm out there behind when i'm behind my gun i'm looking at at an elk for example that is there's so much serenity and peace in that that you can't get anywhere else you can't get that sitting on a couch talking to a therapist you can't get that calling the veteran the va number and just that brotherhood that we're building, you know, that's the biggest thing. Like I talked to the VP the other day, Josh Lackey, and we, the first time we met, we sat there and we talked for 45 minutes. Like we'd known each other for 10 years and just knowing that we have that from each other is you can't beat that. I mean, the vet, the, the hunting and the fishing is second to being able to have that support that I feel like we provide. Yeah, I can, I can attest to that uh, from my own personal experience. I haven't hunted in decades and I, I went hunting and I shared the same story on the podcast on numerous times, but I'm going to share it again because uh, you and I probably have talked about it, but went to an organization uh, that sponsors a quail hunt every year here in North Carolina up at snow camp. And I went to it. I, it just, man, I was like, man, I got to get back into this. I felt so good. My wife could tell a different change in me. And again, I mean, some other therapies, if you want to call it that work for other people, this worked for me. And just like your organization, an opportunity for someone to, you know, 
go out there and connect with a hunt or fishing to get outdoors chuck and i would talk about it's you know it's a, it's a full-on experience uh with that it's not so much it's not a focus on the kill or account or whatever the case it, it's you're earning that we're showing respect for the harvest uh you're going to eat that and then on top of it it's the the uh the reward of of being out there and connecting Getting out there and working with others is probably the biggest thing that veterans need to do that are having problems. And this is one outlet to do and connect. 100%. And you are maybe learning something you never experienced and getting that challenge. And I think that's one thing, too, regardless of how a veteran exits the service uh, with some difficulty and no difficulty, you always want to be challenged. You kind of like tuned that way regardless of service uh, or you should want to i should say and uh having that challenge uh, and that feeling a sense of you know expeditionary if you will you know getting your gear together making an assessment packing right working with others going out and uh, looking for success i mean that's really what's about biggest reward is like you said that peace and serenity that you actually receive in that i mean there's some days i go out i don't get anything but i have a great day absolutely that's you you couldn't set it better to be honest with you it's it's, that's exactly it it don't matter like the kill is it, it is what it is that that's what you're there for yes to find like for example next month we're there to find that bear but like I said, we're bringing uh, Corman with us from Colorado Springs and my buddy Jacob. And we're all, it's funny. We've all been friends. Like I've been friends with Jacob for 25 years. He's been friends with them for, you know, 15. But when you get out there and you just instantly with that other veteran, you connect right away. There's nothing you do about it. You know, you just do. And like you said, you're getting your gear together. You're doing everything and you're accomplishing a mission. Right. Yeah. I, I think that's kind of a little bit of the sense of it that maybe some vets, uh, you know, kind of miss and that, that, you know, not having that challenge in their day to day life that, you know, you go outdoors, you're challenging nature and, you know, nature's, uh, pretty much king of the battle most of the time. So, absolutely. Uh, far as like if I was a veteran and, and um, obviously I am, but I'm just talking from third person. If, if, if there's a veteran out there that wants to connect with the organization and is interested uh, in participating in something like this, you know, how would they get a hold of you? So right now, the best way to do it probably is at Instagram and it's at vets for hunting and fishing. So we have that. We also have Facebook, which same thing. It's vets for hunting and fishing at gmail.com. Um, I'm always available. I like I said, I run social media. Anytime, like I'm working several different angles right now. And like the biggest thing is we're trying to expand to be able to get to more people. So how that works is what you do is you basically write in, let us know. And at that point, you know, I'll want to see your DD-214 and just a little bio, just work up a little bio on yourself, kind of send it over. And then me and the rest of the board members will go over that. We'll review it. And then we kind of, I don't want to necessarily say that there's somebody who's more deserving than anybody else. That's not in any way how we mean it. But, you know, we go through and we do a selection process and we select, you know, the best fit for what we're looking for. Right. And you only have so many resources, too. I mean, and that's the big thing you have to look at is and and if you if those resources grow through participation, um, through uh, support, then there's more opportunities for more veterans to participate. Uh, That's absolutely one of the things obviously your nonprofit so that that's one of the big things and f- for everyone listening i want to have the links in the show notes but it's vets v-e-t-s the number four hunting h-u-n-t-n and fishing f-i-s-h-n it's a lot it'll be in the show notes you'll see all that and go to those links and we'll also look at putting the youtube channel on there so you can see what they got going on And I encourage you to also, if you're an organization that does something similar, if you are an individual who wants to get involved to provide support, this is an organization you can look at for sure. Um, and fortunately, you know, this is where we resourced our, uh, our additional host, uh, Ethan. So this is where we got Ethan from. So I really appreciate that, Drew. Absolutely. Yeah. That just kind of, like I said, that was, that just worked out perfect. Um, yeah, we wanted to kind of reach out and just thank Lou's Fishing. They donated us about eight or 16 rods and reels. Um, Alaska Guide Company, they're donating us three packs for our hunt next month. And uh, like you guys, you guys have been great. Really appreciate Route 16. You guys have been fantastic there. And I wanted to thank Fur Dog as well for, you know, helping us out, attaching our name with ours and uh, trying to help us find some guides and everything. Really appreciate it. 
Yeah, Drew, that's awesome. And we'll make sure to include those specific companies in our show notes. And we'll go ahead and tag them when we post the show. Because none of this can happen without support. Listeners, if you're out there, go check out Vets for Hunting and Fishing. Provide support if you can. If you are a veteran that needs to connect with this organization, um, you'll have the links in the show notes. I encourage you. And Drew, you know, obviously, Ethan, you're going to be, you know, probably linking up here in the near future. I hope whenever you guys get a chance to come down to North Carolina that uh, we absolutely connect and, you know, maybe we go on a hunt. Oh, absolutely. That'd be fantastic. Maybe a little fishing trip, even something like that out there. I heard Carolina's got some nice fishing. Heck yeah. I mean, right now, Rolf, the focus is turkey hunting. We've been talking about oh, turkeys absolutely. the last couple of shows. So <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping for a winter this year. So that's really it. But thank you so much yeah. for joining the show. Really appreciate it. And again, anytime you guys want to come back on, you got a great story to share or, and, definitely keep us and posted on the events um we'll maybe work something in onto our web page where we can track your events and whatnot absolutely that'd be fantastic yeah and i'll just kind of send that through ethan to kind of keep you updated right on man thank you for joining the show all right thanks for having me want to be on the show maybe share with us some interesting hunting fishing overlanding wheeling or adventuring news then give us a call at route one six grind hotline at 919-694-3356 and maybe you will be on our next show the Cup of Joe segment is brought to you by Seasteak Coffee. Have you ever actually drank good coffee? Stop wasting your money on old, stale coffee from the store and make the switch to Seasteak Coffee. Seasteak Coffee is a United States Marine Corps veteran-owned and operated roastery selling premium coffee that's roasted on order and delivered fresh to you. Order your coffee today at www.seasteakcoffee.com. Yeah, that was a pretty good interview with Drew there from Vets for Hunting and Fishing. Um, and Ethan, you're, you kind of help out with that organization too, right? Absolutely, Brian. I am affiliated with Vets for Hunting and Fishing. Um, I'm still getting intertwined with that organization, but let me tell you folks, they are doing some amazing things for veterans. They are making some lifelong memories happen for people. They're a nonprofit organization. I mean, you know, Drew covered a lot of the the specifics and nitty gritty in his interview. So I'll just, you know, touch wave caps of, you know, why I support them. I think that they're an awesome small based organization that's able to go out there. They're hungry. They're getting funding. They're getting grants and they're making some awesome trips happen for, you know, for those lucky veterans that may not have the opportunity with some of these other amazing uh, organizations that we have at our disposal. So they've got a lot of good hunts coming up this year, a lot of good fishing trips. I'll let you guys in on a little secret. I'm actually, I'm actually a Coast Guard captain and I'm planning to guide some inshore and offshore fishing trips on the, uh, the coast there out near Camp Lejeune on the new river and out of the new river inlet so uh you know stay tuned for some fishing trips stay tuned for some good hunting trips that you know you might be be able to be a part of so you know definitely endorse those guys definitely give them a follow give them a like and if you want to contribute or if you are a veteran that wants to uh be able to get out there and go on the trip of a lifetime definitely uh hit up their one of their search algorithms and uh you'll get in touch with somebody so uh so what'd you think about your first show man Oh man, it was awesome. Uh, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little nervous, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's different. Brian and I can talk for hours at a time, but it's something about when you hit that record button that, uh, you know, the show just comes alive and, uh, you know, you just, you automatically become, you know, who you're going to be your own personality, if you will, for the show. So I had an amazing time, man. I'm going to be honest. I, I had a blast. Um, I thank, you know, Route 16 Nation for having me on, uh, giving me a spot to fill. You know, Chuck had big shoes to fill, man. He brought a lot of good content, some some very, very intuitive content to the table that, you know, I only hope I can match. And, uh, you know, to go forward, just bring bring a new authenticity to the show. And I'm always open to new suggestions, man. I'm, I'm multifaceted in the outdoor world. I've got a little bit of, you know, wheeling and overlanding knowledge, but anything you guys want to see uh, outdoor wise, you know, your own home processing, scouting, and then obviously competitive archery. You know, if you guys want to hear a segment of uh, how to tune your bow, uh, you know, how you can do some line tuning, how to do walk back tuning, any of my shoots, you know, how to get into that stuff, how to get sponsored, uh, feel free to, you know, give us a shout. And I'd love to, you know, I love to talk about the things that I love. All right, let's talk turkey, man. 
So have you gone you out and do to. some uh, turkey scouting? Oh, we. It's hard to not be in the woods every day. I don't know about you, especially driving past. I, I'm, I, like I said, I bounce back and forth between southwestern Pennsylvania. I'm fortunately, uh, uh, fortunate enough to have uh, some farms up there that I have access to. That's where I'm originally from. And then, you know, Chuck and I live really close uh, down in uh, the sand hills there. So there's a lot of good hunting opportunities that pose completely different challenges, different types of turkeys completely. So I'm I'm in the process of scouting both. I definitely am in the process of networking some good opportunities down in the North Carolina area. Um, as far as up here in Pennsylvania, I think I got it on lock, man. I'm hearing gobblers already. <laughs> oh, that's nice, man. That's nice. Um, I need to get out to Bragg. I need to do some scouting there. I need to get some scouting in to the Sand Hills game land. Those are two areas I'm definitely going to put some time in. And then my hunt, uh, with my son, those are pretty much, uh, already planned out. So I'm, I'm pretty fortunate there. I need to get him. I got him a 20 gauge, uh, turkey gun, um, just recently. It's a single shot. I know he's going to, you know, because right now it's just trying to get him out there and, and he's shot like, you know, 12 gauge, all that kind of stuff. But I want him to focus more on just getting the shot off, not worried about the kick, anything else. So I'm starting on with a, the 20 gauge. I need to get him shooting that. Um, I got like some bird shot so he can shoot that with targeting. And then I got some really good stuff for when he's loaded for that turkey. And I told him, said, man, you get one shot. I mean, you, that's you. So we're going to go to do some range time. And you know, that turkey comes because he's not going to have the ability to rack that and pop another round in case the first one just didn't work, you know. So um, I'm what do you uh, what do you got him shooting? What uh, what shot? Uh, you know what? Let me oh, shoot. I got some of it right here. Let me uh, look. So what he's going to be targeting practice in is uh, the two and three quarter 20 gauge eight shot. Uh, so he's going to be doing target practice with that. And then are you going to pull him in a little bit closer when you, uh, you know, a little bit lower on the shot scale when you go? Oh, yeah. So we're going to go. Yeah, we're going to move out. We're going to do distance. Um, I, I'm definitely going to put out distance so he understands uh, when to shoot. Why? So if I get him out at a longer distance and he sees a shot spread, and I bring him in closer. It's, it's one thing to say, hey, this is why you want to be a little bit closer. It's another thing to see it on the target. So I'm going to have him learn that. And then I uh, also got some seven half shot. Uh, I think uh, both those are going to be uh, Winchester uh, for him. And let me see what else I got. That's awesome, man. Because um, I never, I never got into it. You know, I actually have twelve gauge turkey guns and loads. You know, three and a half inch. You know, number fours, number fives, whatever. But uh, I don't think I mentioned it yet to the viewers. I'm actually a hundred percent bow hunter. So you know, I. I've taken turkeys exclusively with decap broadheads from yeah. you know, 40 the yards or less. Team blade. Uh, yeah, so dude, I, I, I haven't I'm done interested. that. Yeah, I, I need to do both. So I figure if I get, let me just get one first. And then, so I'm going to go out the shotgun first. And if I get it, then I'll move up and, and bring out my bow the next time. But the the other load I got is a double X uh, Magnum turkey load. It's a five shot, three inch Uh there so this go. one, he's going to, you know, that's the one that I'm probably going to have him load with. Um, so as you can see where it's the progressive rounds is I'm, I'm kind of moving him up. But what he is actually going to be hunting with is that five shot. That's for sure. Uh, what uh, what's some of the yardages you're going to pattern him at? Um, I think initially I'm going to start him in, bring him in at like, you know, five yards and then kind of just move out from there and just kind of like see where he's at. The the big thing is I want him to make sure it, it, we got a good tight and then just kind of move him out and then he can see his spread and then I'll move it back. So that's kind of the goal. I don't really have a far range necessarily right now because I've got to see how he's handling, you know, from the closer in on out. What uh, is that a modified choke? Full, super full? Yeah, it actually, you know what? It should be uh, modified. I think that's the one that's actually came with the shotgun. I got to look at it. I'm glad you said that. So I have to, I have to check on it. Yeah, I mean, full chokes are great. I, I actually had a super full on mine, but you know, you, uh, you get a super condensed pattern, but <laughs> you miss. You're missing. You know, there's no, uh, there's no spread. There's no second chances, like you said. Yeah, I have to double check. I'm glad you mentioned that because I totally slipped my mind about double checking this choke because I went, I just saw a great deal. I went out, I went and drove to, uh, gosh, it's, uh, I think it's like Guns USA. It's south of where we're at uh, in the Sand Hills here. Um, they have just like, I don't know if you've ever been in there, but you need to go there. I have not. 
like you want to go see like five thousand dollar, ten thousand dollar, twenty thousand dollar, you know, shotguns, rifles, whatever, and you walk in there, you would never believe that this value of guns would be in that place. Do they have I've, some antique guns there, man? And they probably have some guns that have some stories. I've had I've been in a place in southwestern Pennsylvania like that. You look and you think, oh, this is a decent pawn shop. I'll stop and see what the deals are. I walk in for our military listeners out there. They had like a beautiful, you know, vintage Sasser. They had some 50 BMGs. They had, you know, some high end assault style weapons. They also had, like you said, the vintage, you know, gold plated Henry rifles and such. So you got to look out for those holes in the wall, man, that those 50 year mom and pop shops, they're, they're bound to have some gems in them. Yeah, and they were some good deals. They were absolutely helpful because I literally told them, say, I'm just looking for a 20 gauge, going to probably just use it one, you know, for this first year. And then, you know, so they pointed me to uh, the one they had. It was very affordable. It was perfect. Uh, You know, single shot, everything. Like, yeah, this is cool. And then on top of it, it could just be a fun gun to shoot it, you know, later down the road or or maybe a challenge gun, you know, because you only get one shot. So I like that. But we'll see and everything. But, yeah, man, thanks for uh, joining the team here. Really appreciate it. Um, we're going to go forward. And it is. It's it's always a, a, a tough when you first start out. We're, heck, I'm still learning. You know, Chuck and I, every show we, we learn, dude. And I know, Ethan, you're going to learn some things that and get your rhythm and all that. And I know our listeners are going to be awesome to you because we've had nothing but tons of support since we started this out. And you know what? We look forward to your questions and comments. We really would appreciate your reviews as uh, far as like you're able to get down to Stitcher and Apple Podcasts and put that out there. That'd be awesome. And one thing too, y'all, we covered a lot of different products here and, and brands this show. And just know anytime you have questions or you're interested in purchasing any of these products, good chance that Route16 is a dealer for it. Uh, just go ahead and contact us at Route16.com, R-O-O-T-O-N-E-S-I-X.com and just select contact for listening to the Route 16 Grind. We want to thank our amazing sponsors, Warren Industries, Tuffy Security Products, C-State Coffee, and Route 16 Off-Road for their support. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and more. Just look for Route 16. That's R-O-O-T-O-N-E-S-I-X. Or just go to Route16.com. Until next week, plan smart, be safe, and as always, be prepared. Anybody out there got some TP they can spot us?